What a wonderful, beautiful Shabbos it's been. What an honor it's been to be in this uh, really wonderful community. Rishus, the Mardas Roshlita, who it's uh, such a pleasure to see how the Kila has grown and blossomed under his leadership. And we're Mavarich, the Rav and the Rebetzin. Many happy and healthy years at the helm with continued growth for the whole Kehila at Biaskoil Tzadak. Bershus Chashver Rabbonim, especially Rabbi Lazarovsky, who it's very moving to me that uh, the Rav's father was my grandfather's Masada Kedushin back in Munich. Actually, this Shabbos, I think uh, my friend Rabbi Goldstein showed me the book we put together by my grandfather, we have a letter there from the, the Rav's father giving my grandfather some kind of hamlotza. When he came to America, he lost his smicha. So he needed like proof that he had smicha before the war. So it's really an honor to reacquaint with uh, old friends. And together, the whole community should continue in gesundheit, in good health, and nachas de kedushad biasko el tzedek. The Ramah tells us that Matzoi Shabbos Minog Yisrael is to invoke the name Elio Anavi. The Ramah just says, mention Elio Anavi Matzai Shabbos. To the point where the Paiskim discuss how many times should you say Elio Anavi Matzai Shabbos. Some Paiskim even bring, you should say Elio 30 times. The Arizal writes, one should invoke the name of Elio Anavi 130 times every single Matzai Shabbos. Elio Anavi That's a good, whatever niggin you want to use. You should mention Elio Anavi. <clears throat> it's interesting in the Megillah, we talk about Mordechai, we talk about Esther, we talk about Haman, we talk about Achashverosh. Who is this Charvoina? We throw him a bone. It's interesting, in the Megillah, the word charvoina is spelled two different ways. In the beginning of the story, it's spelled with an aleph at the end. Ches, reish, vav, nun, aleph. At the end of the Megillah, uh, in the beginning of the Megillah, it's spelled with a hey. Charvoina with a hey. At the end of the Megillah, it's spelled with an aleph. What's the meaning of that? There's a rule in Shemois that a secular name is spelled with an aleph. When it's a Hebrew name, it's spelled with a hey. There's a debate, how do you spell Akiva? With an Aleph at the end, with a hey at the end. You know, the Benesh Chai brings Akiva's Rashi Tevois. Yesh, Koina, Oilamoi, Besha, Achas. So he wants to know, but what about according to the opinion that you spell Akiva with a hey at the end? So he says, Yesh, Koina, Oilamoi, Besha, Ha, Achas. It works out well either way. So the Svarim write, the Medrash tells us, that at the end of the story, the individual who advises Achashverosh to hang Haman was not actually Charvoina. It was Elio Anavi. It was Elio Anavi dressed up in a Charvoina costume. I bet you haven't seen one of those. They have a costume for everything. You could dress up like Donald Trump. You could dress up like Joe Biden. Whoever you want, try to get a Charvoina costume. Elio Anovi dressed up like Charvoina and he advised Achashverosh to hang Haman. So in the beginning of the Megillah, he's Charvoina with an Aleph. But at the end, it was Elio Anovi, Charvoina with a He. 
But that's not the only appearance of Eliyahu Anavi in the Megillah. Throughout the Megillah, Eliyahu makes many, many appearances. The Medrash tells us Eliyahu was the one who woke up Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe to Davin for the Tzara of Chal Yisrael. If you look in the Gemara, the Gemara says, why did Esther invite Haman to the party? The Gemara brings many, many reasons. And the Gemara concludes that Eliyahu Anavi said they're all correct. And then, of course, you have the famous story with Reb Chaim Velazhenar, where Aniyam would come to him for money on Purim, and he would give each one a coin, and one Ani said, if you give me two coins, I'll tell you a Dvar Torah. You've got to be pretty bold to offer Reb Chaim Velazhenar a Dvar Torah in exchange for money. Reb Chaim Velazhenar said, okay, let's go for it. He said, how do we know that the decree of Haman was not written with blood? How do we know it was inscribed with cement? So Chaim said, I don't know, how do you know? It says, because it says, Yikasev le'abedam, loy bedam. Reb Chaim said, really? That's, uh, that's unbelievable. Reb Chaim told the Goin, the Goin said, you met Elio Anavi. So we know Elio Anavi is very connected to the Yomtif of Purim. So I just wanted to share with you, to be Mekayim, the Indian of mentioning Eliyahu Matzai Shabbos. And it's interesting, we make Havdalah Matzai Shabbos, and if you pay attention to the Havdalah, you'll notice that Havdalah is basically a commemoration of the Purim story. First of all, in Havdalah, we could have invoked countless possible psukim of salvation to mention Amatzai Shabbos. What is the main pasuk that we invoke Amatzai Shabbos? It's the pasuk that we say, not only did it happen then, we should re-experience it. La Yehudim, Haisa Aira, V'simcha, V'sasayin, V'ikar. What's that got to do with Matzah Shabbos? Why are we invoking a, a Pasuk from the Megillah, Matzah Shabbos? Beis Yosef writes, for Besamim, don't just smell cloves, you should smell Hadassim. Beis Yosef writes it. You should use, you should take the Hadassim off your Dalin Mina, maybe you still have it in your garage, you're planning on burning it with the Chametz, take it off now, put the Hadassim in the Besamim, it's brought in the Beis Yosef. Why? It says, Shoimer, Shabbos, Mechalilai, and juxtaposed to that is, Tachas, Hanatsus, Yale Hadas. So you're smelling the Besamim, you're remembering Esther. You're invoking a Pasuk from Megillah Esther. Chsam Soifer writes, the two flames of Havdalah are reminiscent of Mardachai Esther, Chsam Soifer says. Why are we remembering Purim on Matzai Shabbos? What does Purim have to, why do we kick off the week? with all of these <coughs> commemorations of Purim. You know, it's very interesting. Gemara tells us in the to Megillah that when Mordechai proposed Purim, he said, let's, ta- let's have Mishtah, let's have Simcha, and let's have Yom Tov. And Kaiso said, nah, not a good idea. Mishtah, we're good. Simcha, we're good. We could do Matanos Laviyonim. No Yom Tov. The Gemara says, Klal Yisrael never accepted Purim as a Yamtif. Why don't we accept Purim as a Yamtif? Why wouldn't we want Purim to be a Yamtif? The Mikubalim tell us that the Jewish people are so connected to Purim. We are so attached to Purim. Purim is so a part of our soul that we couldn't bring ourselves 
to have Purim as a Yom Tif, because you know what we would have to do if Purim was a Yom Tif? Then when Purim would be over, we would have to say Havdalah, and we would have to separate from Purim. And a Jew can never separate from Purim. So when, Hama, so when Mordechai said, let's make Purim as a Yom Tif, Yisrael said, no, we want to be connected to Purim all year round. In fact, Chida brings... Purim is the source of all the Yom Tovim of the year. Pei stands for Pesach. Vav stands for Vesukais. <laughs> Reish stands for Rosh Hashanah. Yud stands for Yom Kippur. Mem stands for Matam Torah. Ask the Bnei Yisachar. Vav stands for Vesukais. He explains with a lengthy exposition how Vav captures the essence of Sukais. Purim is the source of all simcha throughout the year. So comes the Matzah Shabbos, and it's a real downer. We have to take leave of the Shabbos until next week. So how do we encourage ourselves? How do we strengthen ourselves? We say as follows, maybe we have to be mavdil from Shabbos, but we never have to be mavdil from Purim. The whole ceremony of Havdalah is to remind us that while Shabbos is one day a week, we could connect to the Yom Tov Purim the entire year. Ki yodal keiska, mocham al Hashem ba'amalek midardar. Amalek tries to diminish the name of Hashem. Ki yodal keiska. And I was always bothered. Where do we find in the Megillah that Amalek is trying to diminish the name of Hashem? Do you see in the Megillah that Haman comes along with a saw and he's chiseling away at the Yudke Vavke. He's taking off the final hey. He's taking off the Vav. What does Haman have to do with the Yudke Vavke? Haman's not diminishing the name of Hashem. Where in the Megillah do we see Haman in any way diminishing from the name of Hashem? I want to share with you a very important understanding of a Pasuk we say twice every day. This is one of the most important sukkim we say throughout our lives. Sometimes it's the first pasuk that we learn as a child, and it's the last thing we say in our lifetime. Shema Yisrael Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem Echa. Now we say in the Haggadah about the Russia, we give him a really bad rap. We say, Kafar Be'ikar. He takes himself out of the community, so he's a heretic. I mean, just because he doesn't want to come to a community event, and he doesn't want to eat Brazilian hot dogs, he's a heretic? Maybe he's a health nut, but why is he a heretic? Somebody who's not part of the Tzibur is a heretic? Why is he a Kaifer Baker? I mean, that's a very severe accusation. If you, the, the Russia said he doesn't believe in the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, you could call him a Kafar Be'ikr. But the answer is, Marv Raboisai, a very fundamental concept. And I had no intention of speaking about this at all. We talk about Avas Yisrael. We talk about loving your neighbor. We talk about Jewish unity. I believe Jewish unity is the most misunderstood and abused concept in Judaism. Why is Jewish unity so important? I'll daven my davening. You daven your davening. I'll do my mitzvahs. You daven your mitzvahs. Why do I have to like you? 
I mean, nothing personal, but why do I have to like you? Why? Why is it? It's a mitzvah, but why is it so important? Why is it so fundamental? As long as we avoid conflict, we avoid strife, we could daven together, we could learn together. Why is it so fundamental that the Beis HaMikdash cannot stand without Jewish unity? The answer is, the Ramchal teaches us that the Jewish people are the ambassadors of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world. The Jewish people reflect God in this world. Ata Kadosh, Vishimcha Kadosh, you God are holy, your name is holy, and therefore, Ukedoshim Bechal Yom Yehalelucha The Jewish people who reflect you are holy. Ata Echad, you are one. Vishimcha Echad, your name is one. Therefore, your ambassadors have to be one nation. Otherwise, they misrepresent the entity that is the Almighty. When there's friction, when there's strife, when there's fragmentation, when we can't get along, you know what the message that is given off is? Chas v'shalem shtei rishu If it's not mi ka'amcha Yisrael goy echad, then people think it's not ata echad. If someone takes themselves out of the community, they are kafar biker. That's heresy. Because you're telecasting, you're broadcasting, that the Jewish people are not one, then the Almighty isn't one. Says the Vilna Gain, Shema Yisrael, does not mean listen Israel, doesn't mean comprehend Israel, Shema is a Lashon, Vayishama Shol as Ha'am, Shol gathered the people. When you say Shema, you're declaring, gather Israel. Unify Israel as one. And once we're unified, then Mimela automatically, we telecast to the world, since we're one nation, Hashem Eloikeinu, Hashem Echad, there's one God. Jewish unity is more than just social correctness. It's not a matter of what works for society. It gets to the fundamental core of our mission in this world, namely to declare there is one God, and that is only declared if we are one nation. So to have a Shabbaton like this, even without Limud even without Brazilian hot dogs, it's a Kiddush Hashem for the whole community to come together to show umi ka'amcha Yisrael goyechad ba'aretz, without ein devarim ve'ein oimer, you declare to the world, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Ulefi shekoilel atzmoyim atzibor moide be'ikr. Hinei matoivu manoim sheves achim gam yochad, because that is an absolute declaration. Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Achad. And we do find that Haman was trying to mitigate the name of Hashem. Because although he didn't take a saw and hack away at the Vav and the Hay, Haman declared, Yashnai Am Echad Mefuzar Umefoyrad Bein Ha'amim. They're not unified. They're disparate. They're fragmented, says the Vilna Gun, and therefore the plan of the Jewish people, more than doing tshuva, more than tefillah, 
Nikhalu Hayyudim, says the Goyen. Nikhalu Hayyudim, that's how we counteract, counteract Haman. Just Nikhalu Hayyudim. That's it. Vikibel Hayyudim, says the Goyen. Vikibel Vikiblu. No, says the Goyen. Vikibel. Keishachad Belevechad. Vi'amoid al Nafsham, asks the Goyen. It's to say Vi'amdu al Nafsham. No. Vi'amoid, Vi'achdus Gemurah. Haman says. And therefore, God's name is not complete. We say, We say, And we say, Now we understand the Medrash. Zeresh tells Haman, Go in the morning, says the Medrash, Make sure you get there before Shema. Because once the Jews galvanize Shema Yisrael, then you can't claim anymore. Someone ask you a question. There's a man, his name is Moshe. You ever hear of him? Moshe's not a Jewish name. Moshe's the name the daughter of the Pharaoh gave him. Moshe had nice Jewish names. That is Bris Mila. He's called Yikusiel, Avigdar. But not Moshe. That's not what they said by Yikra. They didn't say Zehakata and Moshe ben Amram, Zehakata and Gadol. Yeah, Moshe is not a Jewish name. It's like Eric, Jeffrey, Kevin. No offense if that's your name, but it's not a Jewish name. <laughs> and Moshe is a typical Jewish son-in-law. He's working for his father-in-law. He's tending the sheep in the desert. He sees a bush that's burning. And Chazal say that bush has been burning for a really long time. And many people pass by that bush. But nobody had enough time to stop and say, Hey, what's going on? They said I have to go to do carpool. The market's still open. Still have work to do. And one man took a minute out of his busy schedule to say to himself, what's going on over here? And the Yvonne looks down from Shemaya and he says, I've been waiting for a man like that. For t- someone to take a minute out of his schedule and ask themselves, what's going on? Vayar Hashem kisar lirois. Vayikra loy mitoy chasneh. What name? Moshe, Moshe. Why is God using his Egyptian name? Why doesn't God give him one of the nice, beautiful Hebrew names that this man had. So I had a friend, Ezra Gwertz, who's a grandson of Rabbi Beryl Wein, and he sent me a clip of Rabbi Wein speaking at an event, and Rabbi Wein said he was always bothered by this question until he made a visit to the Holocaust Memorial for Children in Yad Vashem. 
So Rabbi Weinstein, he was told that the uh, Holocaust Memorial opened up a new wing for children, for the 1.5 million children under the age of 12 who were murdered by the Germans. And there's a Jew in Beverly Hills, his name is Spiegel, a Hungarian Jew. He went to Auschwitz with his wife and his five-year-old son, and 10 months later he came out, he came out all alone. He comes to Los Angeles by himself. He was a very successful entrepreneur. He owned a lot of real estate. He had retail establishments. And he wants to make a memorial for his five-year-old son, but not only for his son, but for all the Jewish children who were murdered in cold blood, I don't like to say by the Nazis, by the German people. Saying the Nazis make it sound like there's a small group of people who were conditioned with the entire society. And he said, I want to make a memorial not only for my son, but for 1.5 million Jews. And since then, he's given over $10 million to build it, to endow it. And Rabbi Wein said he went to the museum with all kinds of preconceived notions, what a Holocaust memorial is supposed to look like. He figured he'll see records, maybe a video, some statistics. And he was completely unprepared for what he encountered. You walk into a room maybe 15 to 20 times as tall as this room, and the room is pitch black. It's palpably black. You can't put one foot in front of the other. And after a moment, your eyes begin to adjust to the darkness, and by the genius of the designer and the architect, by reflections, and mirrors, one speck of light becomes a million and a half pinpoints of light. And there's a voiceover in that place. Hillel Cohen, three years old, Vilna. Miriam Goldberg, seven years old, Sarajevo. Name, 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 until you can't bear it anymore and you want to run out of the room. And Rabbi Wein says there was one thought that he had when he came out of that room. I didn't hear my name on that list. I'm of the same age. But my grandparents made it out of there before the war. I didn't hear my name called. And I said to myself, if my name is not on the list, then I can still do something. And I'm not going to give up. And if I could take another boy into my yeshiva, I'm going to do it. And if I could give another class, I'm going to do it. And if I could encourage another Jew, I'm going to do it. If my name's not on the list. <clears throat> and then Rabbi Wein said, that finally I understood why God called him Moshe. He says, my dear son, I took you out of the water. Unlike the millions of other Jewish babies who became lunch for the crocodile. I saved you from the asp and the alligator of the Nile. I yanked you out of the water as opposed to everybody else. Moshe, Moshe! And Moshe says, I have no choice. You got me. Let's get going. What do you want me to do? 
And this is something I always think about. I speak about my grandfather very often and his experiences in the Holocaust. I'll share with you one story about my, my, my grandfather. He was taken from Radom to Dachau. He writes, this is the end of the war, Dachau was the last camp to be liberated. Liberated on Lag Boimer, 1945. From Radom, we were transported to Dhaka. I read to you my grandfather's personal memoir, the Emek Kabacha, the Valley of Weeping, of the German Malachamalans. Killings every day, total humiliation in the eyes of the Germans. Throughout the war, my grandfather was together with his brother, Hainach. Hainach was his younger brother. And my grandfather was with him in all the dark places. In fact, in one of the camps in Radom, they smuggled in a pair of tefillin that they put on every single morning without fail. They didn't miss one day. And every morning, my grandfather, at the crack of dawn, would wake up to put on the tefillin, and then he would give it to his brother, Hannah. One particular morning, now this camp was led by a very a brutal lager Fuhrer named Ficus. Ficus catches you put on tefillin, bullet in your head. One morning, my grandfather woke up to put on the shulin, he put on the shalyad, he put on the shalroish, he gave it to Uncle Hainach. Uncle Hainach puts on the shalyad, he puts on the shalroish, and just then, Ficus walks in, he picks up the pistol to shoot, and then he took a look at this tzaddik wearing the shulin shalroish, he chapped a sitter, he put the gun down, and he ran out. My grandfather said it was an open miracle, a kiyom of that which the Gemara says. When the nations of the world will see that the name of God is upon you, they will fear you. I heard this from my grandfather, I heard it from Hena. These are the Yidin we're talking about. My grandfather would daven in the death camps. The Nazi would club him over the head, he would fall in a pool of blood and wake up. 24 hours later and continue in the bracha he was up to. I heard this not from my grandfather, from the Yid Meir Lachman, who was with him in the death camp. He tells me, you know, Daniel, your grandfather knows how to daven. He said, no, you don't know what I mean when I tell you he knows how to daven. He knows how to daven means he could be clubbed over the head, unconscious, and when he wakes up, he continues where he's up to. By the way, when the Nazi would beat my grandfather, he would say, Rabbi, what are you still praying for? You think the Jewish people have a future? We Germans, we're going to destroy the Jews of Europe. The Jews of Palestine, the Arabs will kill the Jews of Palestine. And the Jews in America? <laughs> the Jews of America will take care of themselves. And that latter statement was the one that the Nazis were most correct about because they didn't eradicate all the Jews of Europe. And the Arabs, Bar Hashem, Hashem left the Sha'iris in Palestine. But unfortunately, 70% of American Jewry is disappearing. Seven out of every 10 chasanas in this country are intermarriage. So the Nazis were very well aware of the world situation, of the situation of world Jewry. So I take you to Dachau now. 
My dear brother Hainach and I were kicked and chased to the entrance of the gas chambers. At the doorstep of the base Hasrefa, the house of burning, where tens of thousands were choking and experiencing the most shocking convulsions, my brother told me, please, my dear brother, could you please give me a glass of water? I'm going to die even before I get into the gas chamber. And my grandfather responded, no, we can't drink water now. The death will be so much more painful. We were mere inches and moments from the next world, but a heavenly miracle occurred. Standing there at the threshold of death, an SS officer appeared. He grabbed us and he remarked in a commanding voice, you're capable of work, and he dragged us out of the gas chamber. And I'm thinking to myself, it's not only my grandfather who God saved from the gas chamber. Because had the Rebbe not saved him, I wouldn't be here today. So God saved my grandfather. God saved my father. God saved me. He saved my children. <coughs> I don't know why. I guess he wanted us. And you know something? If you're here tonight, and your family is here today, God wants you to. You know, people say, if only I would see a miracle. If only I would see something like the splitting of the Red Sea, then my faith would really be fortified. You want to see a miracle? Look at the face of another Jew in 2023. That is the greatest miracle you will ever see. When the Jews crossed the Red Sea, they said to themselves, to their parents, to their children, you know, if God would only show me a real miracle, like a Jew in 2023, then I would really have Amunah. Seriously. Do you know how long the Rebunshim has been looking out for you? 80% of the Jewish people perished in Egypt but your ancestors made it through so that you could come to shul and answer amen and say amen yehishmei rabbah and learn Torah and, and send your children to yeshivas. Your ancestors were saved from the destruction of the first base HaMikdash. By Yeshini, the death toll was enormous. 1.1 million Jews were massacred by Bayez Rishayim. Thousands of Jews were massacred in the times of the Crusades. But your ancestors survived, otherwise you wouldn't be here today. Thousands of Jews died in Spain, but your ancestors were spared. Chalmanitsky pogroms, gas chamber, crematoria, the Rebunishon's been looking out for you for 3,300 years so that you could serve him today. <laughs> We all know Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who the Chassam Soifer called a Navi, writes in his Siddur, Eich lo nichlam. How can a heretic not be utterly ashamed? By analyzing our situation in the world, Anachnu ha'uma se'pazura, we the scattered sheep. Achar after everything that has transpired, that we're still around, I swear, when I contemplate the miracle of Jewish survival, 
Godla Etsli Yoisemi Kol Nise Yitzias Mitzrayim. They're much greater than all the miracles of the Exodus. Yitzias Mitzrayim was nothing compared to the miracle of continued Jewish survival. And if Rabbi Yaakov Emden said that 200 years ago, what do you think he would say today after the Holocaust? He would say to look at a Jew in 2023, it's a nest she'en And Hashem did that miracle for you. Because He wants your tefillah. He wants your tefillah. He wants your chesed. He has entrusted you with the most important mission since the creation of the world. For some reason, the Rebbeinu has given us the opportunity to be the ones to bring us to the finish line. There is nothing the Rebbeinu has invested in more than the Jew in 2023. <coughs> Rabbi Wein likes to say over the story that in 1946, he was in Chicago and his father tells him that uh, we're having a special visitor come. Who's the visitor? Chief Rabbi of Palestine, Rabbi Isaac Halevi Herzog, who my grandfather knew very well from the DP camps. He worked together with him in the DP camps. And Rabbi Herzog came to Chicago Midway Airport, and he was a very aristocratic personality. He wore a shiny top hat, and he walked with a silver cane. He held his Bible wherever he went. And he was going to speak to the young men of the Skoki Yeshiva and all the Balabatim who had gathered for that occasion. And Rav Herzog gave a 45-minute shir in Yiddish, a pilpul shir, whereupon he turns to the Bachram and he says, now I would like to speak to the Bachram. And Rabbi Herzog was from Ireland and he spoke with somewhat of an Irish brogue. And he said, I just returned from Rome. I had an audience with the Pope, Pope Pius XII. I assume that's the Lashem Sagi Nahar. And I brought with me the names of 10,000 boys and girls who were given over to Christian institutions, to monasteries, by Jewish parents who didn't think they would ever see their children again. But now the parents survived the war. <coughs> and Rav Herzog says, I have the names of these 10,000 children. Right now, you're holding our children unlawfully. Give us back the children. You've kidnapped our children. And the Pope said, we can't give back a single child. They've all been formally baptized. The rule is, once a child is baptized, he can never go to any other religion. And the door was slammed in Rabbi Herzog's face. And I read in my grandfather's personal diary that my grandfather met Rabbi Herzog in the DP camps. Rabbi Herzog told us to him. And Rabbi Herzog is standing there in the Skoki Yeshiva, and he breaks down crying like a baby. He's so overcome with emotion. There's nothing I could do for these 10,000 children. A few moments later, he raises his head. His face is red from tears. Rabbi Wein said nothing frightened him more in his life than to hear Rabbi Herzog cry out, 
there is nothing I could do for these 10,000 children. But you young men, what will you do for the future of the Jewish people? Rabbi Wine says that call, that clarion call of Rabbi Herzog, resounds in his ears, reverberates in his mind since that day. What are you going to do for the future of the Jewish people? And that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. If we are fortunate to have the freedom and the health that our families have been among the She'eris HaPleza, the small, small miyot de miyot that have survived the travails of Jewish history, then God has entrusted us with a very important mission in this world. That whatever we have the capacity to do, to educate our children, to educate ourselves, to elevate our families, to elevate our communities, every mitzvah we have the opportunity to do, every individual we have the opportunity to elevate, is our sacred mission in this world to do whatever we can because Rebbe Hashem calls out to each of us, Moshe, Moshe, I've rescued you from the long travails of the Nile River, from the long and the bitter gullus. But we should all feel empowered, and we should feel honored, and we should wake up in the morning recognizing that no one, no Jew in Jewish history has been selected for a more important mission in this world than a Jew today in 2023. It's a real pleasure to share the Shabbos with you. It's a real pleasure to meet all of you. It was a great honor to be here. I wish you all bracha v'hatzlacha. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu grant us all the schos to be together. La'arichas yom b'shanim. Abiyaz ko'el sedek. Amen. Amen. Amen.